Olivia Lone Bear vanished from the Fort Berthold Reservation in October 2017. Adamant that Olivia would not just take off, her family and volunteers coordinated a grassroots effort to find her. Nine months later, her body would be recovered, and the circumstances in which she was found has only added to the mystery of what happened to her. This is the story of Olivia Lone Bear. Hey guys, this is Ash. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. I guess we'll get into today's story. And Ash, what do you have for us today? So today I have a story. We just talked about this. Oh gosh. <laughs> I swear it's the pollen. It's it like it's so bad right now. You know what's crazy is when you see like cars and they're like blanketed and like just yellow. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, my gosh, you don't even see yeah. it until it's like piled. I turn my windshield wiper cleaner. What's it called? Windshield cleaners? Windshield windshield wiper spray. Anyway, I turned that thing on. Cleaned your windshield, and it was just like pure, like yellow dust. Mm. It was disgusting. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's still early. It's it's ten twenty four a.m., folks. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to tell the story about Olivia Lombear, a beautiful, outgoing, smart, loving person who had a beautiful smile and loving personality. She enjoyed hanging out with her family and friends, visiting and telling jokes. She was the best of the best friends to many people. She loved her dad and had so much love and respect for him. She lived with him and loved spending time with him and taking care of him. Olivia's story is a tragic one, as they all are. So let me tell you a little bit about her story. It takes place in North Dakota. Olivia was of the Hadassah tribe, which is of the three affiliated tribes located on the Fort Bethold Indian Reservation in central North Dakota. The three affiliated tribes are comprised of the Mandan, Hadasta, and Arikara nations. They came together after smallpox devastated their numbers. The tribe is comprised of 16,953 members, which is about the same as ours. They lived in earth lodges, they were farmers, they hunted wild game, and relied heavily on buffalo for food, shelter, and clothing. Well, that's cool. I didn't know. For some reason in my head, I was thinking most like plains or western tribes were more nomadic than having earth lodges. Because I think people tend to think most tribes, uh, I guess, live in teepees. That's kind of the general stereotype. Yeah. You know, EBCI over here. Never lived in teepees, so I don't know. I guess I found that really interesting that they lived in earth lodges. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of tribes in you know, North and South Dakota, but I don't know. I'm not familiar with many of them. So, so are it's they, always interesting to hear their names. So the, are they Sioux? I guess that's my I, that's my assumption too. Mine too. Like mainly like North South Dakota, it's, we're dealing with the Sioux tribes. Yeah, but you know, there's always like you know branches of each different tribe depending on like what location. But it's interesting that these four tribes kind of you know conjoined. Mm-hmm. because they're well, sad because their numbers were probably you know, dwindling. Yeah. But it's nice to see that they have like a pretty healthy population now. I've heard of the Hadasta, but not the Mandan or the Ericara. I think that's how you say it. But anyway, let's get into Olivia's story. Olivia Carrie Lombert, also known as Cedar Woman, was born October 11, 1985 in Stanley, North Dakota to Irish Sherman Forbear and Harley Tex Lombert. She was of the Mazozadi, which is a dripping dirt clan. Olivia received her Hadassah name by her magu, Sophie Bell. She was one of seven children, two sisters, four brothers. She was described as a vibrant indigenous woman who was admired by many. But the most important people in her life were her five children. She had a close bond with each of them and was so proud to be their mother. 
On October 24, 2017, one of Olivia Lombert's children, Haley Abrahamson, recounted that she was home in her room when she overheard her mother speaking to her brother about leaving the house for a few hours and that she would be back later that night. They had no idea that that would be the last time they would see their mother because she never returned home. On October 27, 2017, Olivia was reported missing by her father, Tex Lombert, as he had not seen or heard from her for two days. And again, she lives with him, or he lives with her, and she had not come home with him. This was not like her. They began their search for her. The three affiliated tribes, police department, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and other state and local law enforcement agencies were all involved in the investigation. The family was told that their mother may have just needed a break. She went on a trip. She would be back. Maybe she eloped, or maybe she was staying somewhere else. What? Why is that always the first response? She just she just went on a trip and didn't tell anybody, didn't tell her kids, didn't tell her family. She just was like, you know what? I need a break. I would be terribly offended if someone said that about me. Like that I would, it, it's just normal that I would leave my kids for days and be like, oh, see you guys later. Maybe she just needed a break. I mean, yeah. But that's like the second or third time we've heard the same response. Yeah. When Missy Upham went missing, it was like, oh, well, she's probably out partying with her friend. No, she's dead in a ditch. You know, and the thing about it is, like, these families know their people. You know your person. And you know if something's unusual for them. Like, yeah, you know better than the police. Yeah. Family. Yeah. So, I just, how discouraging is that? That that's going to be the response. Those first 48 hours are, like, the most crucial. I know you'll tell us more about it, but it sounds like, you know, the, the police department was involved. So, that's kind of a nice change to hear. Yeah. Well, and the children knew better than to believe what the police were telling them. She was gone. She'll be back. The FBI also joined the investigation in October 2017. It was reported the last time anyone seen her was on October 24th at the Sportsman's Bar in Newtown, North Dakota. She was wearing a white camouflage jacket with black sleeve stripes and a light colored blue jean. According to her brother, she must have went back home because her phone and wallet were left at the house. She changed clothes and left again. So she may have went home late at night when no one seen her. That's what I was going to say. Didn't even see her. Yeah, the kids and the father hadn't seen her. She was last seen driving a blue granite metallic gray 2011 Chevy Silverado 2500 HD LT crew cab. This truck was loaned to her by someone she knew, so it was not her truck. I was about to say, that doesn't sound like a truck that a mother of five, or a car that a mother of five would drive. I don't even know what kind of truck that is. An F-250 is like a diesel, so it's like a bigger. It's a big truck, yeah. Than like a standard truck. Okay. Yeah, it's a very big truck. For months, the family and authorities looked for Olivia. Search parties looked for her. Sometimes as many as 13 to 15 teams are out at one time searching for clues, evidence, and anything to bring some kind of answers. And according to an article on NPR News, a witness affidavit stated one of the last messages he received from Olivia was that she had been to a bonfire and was going mudding, which is off-road driving near rivers and swamps. The next message he received from Olivia stated simply, goodbye. In the middle of the morning she was going mudding? Because she went to the bar, right? And then she came home, got her wallet, supposedly changed clothes at a late hour. And possibly went to a bonfire or muddy. People go muddy in the middle of the night. Is that a thing? I've never been muddy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I went to high school, but it was like the middle of the day. Maybe. I don't know. This is what the, the text was, message the next day said. It just said that one of the last messages he received from Olivia. Is that she? Okay. Yeah, I didn't say a specific time or day. None of the people interviewed by investigators identified anyone who went to the bonfire or went muddy with Lone Bear. In December of 2017, the reward money for information linked to whereabouts had increased to $20,000. The three affiliated tribes spans nearly 1 million acres with grassy hill and water terrain. So this is a big area. 
So while researching, you know, the back and oil fields come into play in several news articles that I read about when we were going there. Mm-hmm. And the number of missing and murdered indigenous women out of back and oil fields is an epidemic. The region known as Bakken often has a number of disappearances of missing people that are unreported. Since the boom of the area, trafficking and other dangerous situations for indigenous women have skyrocketed with the rise of the oil and gas extraction industry's presence. This is not a new issue. There's often no reporting or response to statistics around missing indigenous people out of the area. Well, you know that, you know, historically, a lot of people contribute the pipelines to the missing and murdered indigenous epidemic because that's kind of when, you know, the white man was coming into Indian territories mm-hmm. and that's at a time when Native Americans weren't considered the same as other citizens. So a lot of people contribute the pipeline even way back when. Well, and I guess a lot of people don't understand, like, the protests against the pipelines is, you know, multi-layered with the concerns, not only for the environment and the drinking water, but because yeah, it's linked to MMIW. Yeah, by the ways. Wind River does a really good job of trying Yeah, that. I just thought of that movie when you were talking yeah. about it because that's... And that's kind of what they were trying to, I think, you know, convey. tell the story of mm-hmm. is that that's... It's not just only happening now, it's happened historically for years. Yeah, sadly, this is not a new issue for indigenous people. We've been protesting oil and gas intrusions on our lands for years. Activists and indigenous leaders are raising the call for fossil fuel companies to be held accountable for the rise in violent crime, rape, and sex trafficking that has accompanied the bank and oil boom. According to the website redgreenblue.org, on Bruss Fort Reservation, the man camps for frackers led to 7.2 increase in violent crime in just one year and 168% increases in reported rapes, with record rates of reported violence, sexual assaults, and child trafficking, gun threats, and domestic abuses coinciding with the 2012 oil boom. Oh my God. But most cases are dismissed due to non-natives not being able to be legally charged for crimes on tribal lands. There it is again. Yeah, and crimes committed on tribal lands through federal laws. At least 5,000 criminal cases were dismissed by Fort Berthold's tribal court. But, you know, I don't think that is true because you can, as a non-enrolled member, you can still be charged on the reservation as a crime. But I think it has to go to, like, the state or federal level. But I think that's just here because we just got that law passed here just five, six, seven years ago. What I don't understand is we know this is an issue and we know that people are getting away with these terrible crimes. And I know there's, like, legislation and stuff out there that's trying to combat this and kind of fix it, I guess. But why is there not more urgency around that when we're seeing the levels of crime and the levels of violence against indigenous women that are happening and unsolved? Right is right, wrong is wrong. Like let's stop let's stop the violence. So uh Lisa Yellowbird Chase she received a call from one of Olivia's cousins to ask for help in the search. Yellow Bird felt a sense of duty to help. The search continued and led them to Lake, and I hope I said this right, to Cockaway, but with it being winter, it was frozen. Lisa recounted to Dateline NBC the unsearched bays bothered her for months. So during the week of July 23rd through the 27th of 2018, she took her boat and sonar equipment to search the lake. Hitched to the back of her truck was a 14-foot boat with a half-broken motor and a set of fishing sonar. By her own admission, she was not a skilled or experienced boater, nor an expert at sonar, but she had a plan. With the help of a couple of volunteers from her group, the Shanice Scouts of North Dakota, they motored along the shoreline of the bay, scanning the lake bed. Just as her gut told her, her sonar equipment picked up a pickup truck in the water. She took pictures of the image and sent them to the investigators of the three affiliate tribes' law enforcement. 
And on July 31st, a diver investigated the site and discovered a truck submerged in approximately 21 feet of water, 400 feet from the shore, and located approximately one to one and a half miles from Olivia's home. This was nine months later. And she did this on her own because they hadn't bothered to search it yet. Well, lake was frozen, so they couldn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, what month was this? July? Yeah. I mean, they probably could have before July, but I, I could see why maybe in the winter when she went missing, it wasn't a possibility. But up until July, shouldn't there, I think that search effort starts really strong when it's coming from the police department and then kind of, you know, after they've exhausted resources for a little while, it just wanes. I feel like I'd be a little, a little embarrassed, though, if family went out there and did their grassroots effort and the, they found the truck. And it's like, well, what have y'all been doing? A volunteer. Yeah. A volunteer. Yeah. yeah. Well, too, we have to think about, you know, not justifying the fact they didn't look for her, but we have to think about how many people go missing all the time that we report on, you know? Yeah. So if it really does suck, but it feels like, you know, if they don't have any clues in that first, like, month or two, then it just wanes and falls off. Because there's so many that are yeah. added to the, the, See. I I don't know why my head goes to like all your resources. Let's find this and let's figure out what happened to her. And then, you know, you guys remind me in that meantime, how many more cases you just spouted off a ton of statistics here about, you know, how many, how the violence has kind of been amped up around this area. And it's like, I guess I just didn't think in terms of how many more names are being added to that list or how many more crimes are being added to this already underfunded police department. Yeah, And that's what really sucks is like, it feels like, like I said, if you don't find clues or like information in those first few weeks, then it really does fall on like the family and friends to like, rally mm-hmm. together and try to put resources into this. Well, and that's what we see. It's always a grassroots effort and the family keeping that fight going and keeping their names out there. Yeah. But it does really suck that she was only a mile and a half from her home. It sounds like truck was. regardless. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, something okay. happened in le- less than like a mile or so from our home. For a truck yeah, that would have been a clue. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, your assumptions are right because when the truck was pulled from the lake, it was discovered a human body was found inside the truck. The body was in the passenger seat, secured to the seat by the truck's seatbelt. After a forensic examination of the body, it was confirmed to be Olivia Lombard. Oh my God! An autopsy was performed, and the cause of death was ruled undetermined. Additionally, medical personnel noted they did not find definitive traumatic, natural, or toxicological causes for her death. So what happened to her? How did she end up buckled up in the passenger seat of the truck? And let's keep in mind, a volunteer found her, not the police. Tell me again, what did they determine? when The cause of death was undetermined, but they didn't find any toxicological or physical. Natural, um, traumatic. But I don't know what body decomposition is like when you're in a lake for nine months. That might have contributed to a lot of it, too. Obviously, you know, it's suspicious that mm-hmm. she's in the passenger seat buckled up. But that probably contributed a lot to, like, them not really having a definitive autopsy report. Yeah. Especially since she told her kids, like, I'll be back tonight. Yeah, she, she was going to come home. Yeah. And she wasn't that far away mm-hmm. at all. Strapped into the passenger seat. Yeah. Was this lake in, like, a, off the highway or something? Like, could it have been a possibility that they wrecked? I'm not sure. You know, if this lake is just, like, in this secluded area, you know, you have to kind of find your way to get to. Like, obviously, that adds to suspicion, too. Yeah. And if it was an accident, then why wasn't it reported? Because clearly somebody was in the driver's seat of that truck. Yeah. So it's very suspicious. Lisa Yalbert Chase is a 50-year-old member of the Mandan Hidasta and Akara Nations and has assisted in dozens of missing persons cases. She started the Shanish Scouts, a group she founded in 2015, to search and recover missing people in Indian country. 
She's been doing this type of work on her own since 2011. She states her purpose and work is to find missing and murdered men and women because they are routinely under-prioritized and under-investigated by authorities. Olivia's brother had these words he shared in an interview with democracynow.com. He was asked about the reaction to finally finding Olivia, and he said, I quote, heartbreak after nine months of, you know, looking on our reservation that's almost a million acres, and then come to find out we've been pushing for this water search since November, and lo and behold, you know, she was found within a mile of her home, end quote. They've been pushing since November? Search the lake. To search the lake. So it wasn't frozen at that point. So how much could they have found out about her situation had they searched the lake? Why didn't they? Well, he stated they pushed and pushed for a water investigation, and police said they searched the lake and found nothing. Well, it just seemed like the investigation was not important, and he stated it took over a month for the police to interview the family. Jeez. See, what's the, what's the excuse there? Why, why over a month? There was this TikTok where this guy was on the lake, and he was talking about how he anchors his boat. There's an anchor in the front, and then lets, you know, it kind of pull tension and then pulls an anchor in the back and then, like, cranks his anchor so it's tied on both ends. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about he lifted up his front anchor and then he was lifting up his back anchor and he got caught on something. And they started reeling in. And when they reeled it all the way in, there was a body attached <gasps> oh to gosh. his anchor. And he oh said God. he panicked and just, like, pulled the lever and, like, the anchor flew back to yeah. the bottom of the lake. And they pulled it up again after they were, like, got themselves together and were like, oh, my God, that was a body. Like, uh-huh. there were two or three people there and they all saw it. Mm-hmm. And by the time they did that, the body was had floated back down. Oh, my goodness. He said they went to the shore or the dock, and they called the police. And basically, the police were like, okay, we'll check it out. And the, they didn't immediately respond to it at all. Had no urgency. What? Yeah. Isn't that insane? So it almost feels, you know, unless they feel a person could be alive, they're just like, oh, they're probably dead. You know, we'll deal with it when we get it. I don't even know how to process what you're saying. I don't know where this um, guy videoed, but he was basically like, you know, we called and we were really like frantic. Like, oh my God, we found a body. They were just like, oh, okay, we'll send someone to check it out. I wonder what the follow-up to that is. I'd be here to know. You're going to have to look it up and let us know. Because I feel like I'm like so naive when it comes to like a lot of my thoughts. So why wouldn't you just rush out there? There's a body. That's somebody. Unfortunately, like the reality of the situation is, okay, we'll get to it. I mean, a light can be a hundred feet deep. They said, I, oh, they did say in the post that they called and were, like, reporting it. And they said, well, we don't have any missing persons in the area, but we'll come check it out. So if it but was it just, like, be a single old man tonight? who was fishing. Oh, and, no. You know, Somebody's little grandpa. Went missing, you know. Or maybe traveled to the lake from, like, somewhere town over yeah. or whatever. That's sad. So this case is still ongoing, and the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office are fully committed to finding answers. In conjunction, they have issued multiple subpoenas and search warrants, but this case is still open. And you know, as I'm reading and researching, and I read the family stories and watched their interviews, I feel a sense of loss. Like, I felt their pain because I've never heard of Olivia's story before, and it absolutely breaks my heart to have to share this story. I hope for a happy ending, and I hope for a better outcome. But this reality for Indigenous women is real. This is a real threat. These are real-life stories. You know, this isn't like a TV show, just a sad story. This is real life. Mm-hmm. Think of the numerous times you or I have left home to run an errand, to go work out, to meet up with friends for dinner, and leave our families with, I love you, and I see you a little bit, and we never come home. Think about how your families would feel. You know, your your children, your your loved ones, your mothers, your fathers. You know that you were gone and missing, and they're searching for you, and the whole time you were just a mom on the road. Where the first reaction is, oh, she probably just needed a break. She just needed to get out and well, take I don't a trip. understand how if she was last seen at the bar, that people didn't know who she was with. Somebody was driving that truck. 
there's well and if people remember seeing her at the bar you know if you remember seeing her you know who you saw her with or around it might just be one of those situations where people people know they're just not you know and wanting to talk i do think that's kind of maybe a downfall in small knit communities and Mm -hmm. you know native communities is that no one wants to say anything that could potentially be damning to one of their community members if it's not exactly factual you know mm-hmm. like we we do tend to stick together in that aspect and i think that it's beneficial in some ways in certain aspects but it's also like a downfall in situations like this where someone could just say yeah i saw her with so and so and even if they're not guilty of anything at least just you know having someone have a little bit more information yeah and if they're not guilty and they don't have anything to hide then why would you not want to come forward and help kind of solve this case or help at least clear one person out of the the line of questioning or or even if it was someone you know from these old fracking camps they don't know who it is but i do think that with the history of law enforcement and you know current issues that we still face there's a lot of hesitancy to come forward and say as a native person or like a you know a brown man yeah i did see her because immediately you might be targeted Mm -hmm. and i think that contributes to a lot of the hesitancy in these cases where we hear of people saying like no one's saying anything even mm-hmm. though there was a situation where she was last seen somewhere. Yeah. You know, in a local case that we have where the woman died under really mysterious circumstances, the family was really hesitant to say anything and said, I'm not going to say much. They don't want to be involved. They also probably feel like if they say too much and they really like give the facts and, you know, the details and put themselves out there like that, that this person may not get um, punished anyway. And then they're going to have to deal mm-hmm. with the repercussions of saying that to this person who they know killed their family. It's really heartbreaking. Sad. So, like, she went missing, or she went out. She came back and changed, whatever. She texts that she was out somewhere. Like, was there no information on, like, anywhere her phone was? Or, like, you know. According to her brother, she must have went back home because her phone and wallet were left at the house. Oh, they were left at the house. Changed her clothes and left. Does the family have anyone that they think did it? Like, was there a domestic partner or like? No, they didn't stay at one. And it was just not like her to not come home. Yeah, she was another five. She loved her. You know, she took care of her father, loved him. So we don't know what happened to her. Well, we know she didn't. She didn't go into the lake voluntarily. I think we can. Yeah, we can go ahead and say that. But somebody left her in that truck. Crazy. The belted in the passenger seat. That's. Yeah. And even if it, like you said, if it was an accident and like they wrecked and, you know, lost control and someone got to escape, why wouldn't you call the police and be like, oh my God, my friend is in there? Yeah. If nothing nefarious was going on and it was just an accident, then. I mean, even if you were drinking, like do the right thing. My friend is in the car, in the lake. Yeah. Just belted in the passenger seat and then she went found until a volunteer did the work. Yeah. And I do think that her body being in the water that long probably was the worst thing that could happen. Well, it wouldn't have been there that long if they had, you know, they had searched that lake. Yeah. There's no way they searched that lake or thoroughly. Especially if it was just... What say, 21 feet or... 21 feet, yeah. But it was 400 feet from... Which is bizarre to me. But still, that's a lake search. You gotta get your little boat and go out there. Right? I have no clue how it would work, honestly. Yeah. I don't either. I'm sounding like I really know <laughs> how this investigation's supposed to go, but... But I'm just saying about, like, if it happened in our lake, any of the lakes around us, like, there's so many entry points where someone could wreck or, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. a car could go in. So I don't even know where you would start. And our lakes are, I mean, I don't know how many miles they are, but... 
pretty large. So I'm just thinking, like, I don't know what that search These would might be like. open lakes that you can just, you know, because it's... Well, and whose truck was this? It just said it was a, somebody else's truck. Like, whose truck is this? Did they not question that person? It never stayed. It just you know, barred the truck. Did that person not be like, hey, she's got my truck, and I don't know where, where it's at? There's, I have a lot of questions, but sounds like the authorities still have a lot of questions. I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. You know what the scariest part to me is that even though these bodies are found, like a lot of times there's not a suspect and it just seems like it's so easy, you know? That's scary. I know. And I was just talking about our lakes. Anyone here could be in a very similar situation. Nope. I'm going to stick to the kind of lefty. <laughs> they drain our lakes though. Do they? Yeah. Oh, lake goes down because it does go it's down. Dam- yeah, it's down. There's a dam down there that dams it up. And at the end of the summer, they let it out. I think we're very fortunate where we live because I feel like should somebody... No, well, it's hard to say that because someone could go missing in one of our communities and it's still unsolved. And I don't know. I just want to feel like people would, would rally and, you know, they'd be like... But just like anything else, though, like, I mean, even like we talk about this all the time, that MMIW epidemic, like people rally around stuff when it's relevant. Yep. And then they go on about their day and their lives and, you know, it just becomes a fact. You know how much the buildup's like starting to come for MMIW Day yeah. on the 5th. And while it's really cool, it's like, let's keep this energy all year. But it won't, you know. You know, we'll have the event and people will show up and people will rally around and support. But then a lot of people won't do anything beyond that. And I guess it goes into the thought, what can you do? And I think that's why... This pod is what it is because we can't go out to like North Dakota and get involved because I have some ideas and some tips how they could, you know, (laughs) improve their investigation. But I mean, it took someone like Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. He was a volunteer to find her. So, and it takes, I mean, as you know, if people want to help, they can share all these missing flyer stories, you Mm -hmm. know, and try to get, bring awareness and that's really the only way any of us can help our in law enforcement yeah well, and that's why we're here and that's why we're just trying to get these names out there and let people know that these are these are people and there are people who are missed and who are loved it's our part to bring awareness and i think it's how we can keep that awareness going all year you know something else that i hope that we bring awareness to is that people are more cautious Um, Mm -hmm. and kind of their actions and their surroundings. Because I think that I've become a little more cautious and weary um, and just maybe more like hyper aware of my surroundings. And I hope that, you know, sadly it shouldn't come to that, but I hope that other people get that from this too. Because I think that will also bring a big change to like making sure that our people are safe. That, and I think maybe just being a little more aware of intimate partner violence and kind of maybe seeing similarities and things mm-hmm. that we share some of these women have gone through because a lot of these cases the the main suspect or the main people were like okay he probably did it is an ex-boyfriend or an ex-husband and i hope that maybe some someone out there is kind of looking internally and looking at their own relationship and saying there's a lot of similarities here you know maybe this isn't the best situation for me with all that being said, being an indigenous woman, none of us should ever be at risk of never returning home at the hands of someone with evil intentions. Leaving our families an empty heart and searching for answers. Someone knows what happened. Someone is living with a secret. And I hope the way of caring that what you know or did weighs heavy on your heart. Olivia was a beautiful mother, daughter, a friend who did not deserve to lay in a frozen lake for months. She wanted her children to look at life as the glass half full instead of half empty. She wanted them to have memories and stories to share about her instead of just pictures or material possessions. I hope they find peace and I hope the memories they have bring a smile to their faces when they think of them. 
If you have any information regarding the case of Olivia Lone Bear, FBI is urging people with information in the case to call 1-800-CALL-FBI or file tips online at tips.fbi.gov. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links to information found for this episode, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Resilient Podcast. Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.